You're listening to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. Youth ministry isn't easy, and you don't have much time. That's why this is a car ride's worth of content to help you reimagine, revive, and rebuild youth ministry. Hello and welcome to Uprising the Rebuilt Student Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this car ride's worth of content. I am Allie, your host, joined by Daniel. And as always, Daniel, I and the listeners want to know, what are you loving? America is waiting to know, (laughs) what am I loving at this moment? Well, I'm loving a book, but it's not a theology book or anything. It's just a book that I've been reading for pleasure. No way. You only read theology books. Oh, no. I read a lot of books for pleasure. (laughs) I'm not a very prolific reader, but I'm always reading something. So this is a sports book. If I haven't mentioned sports books before, I'm a nerd. I just love reading sports history books. So this book's called Game Six. It's by a guy named Mark Frost. And... It's about game six of the 1975 World Series between the Reds and the Red Sox. And it was a turning point for a lot of reasons. Uh, Major League Baseball started having free agents after that year. And these two franchises were kind of at this pivotal moment. The Reds hadn't won a World Series and they had a really good team. The Red Sox hadn't won a World Series since 1918. Um, And it was a classic just back and forth World Series. Game six was delayed a bunch of days because of rain. Just all kinds of cool things. So Mm -hmm. anyway, the story is the book like weaves what's going on in the game with all the different character characters that were in the not characters, people People. that were pitching Mm -hmm. and hitting and everything. Mm -hmm. And historically what was going on. Oh, very cool. Just a really good book. Really well written. Game six by Mark Frost. That does sound good. Well, I am loving... Um, I don't really know what to call it. I guess it's like a program. It's videos, but it's called I'm Marriage by Andy Stanley. I think mm. it was a message series that he did at North Point Church. Andy Stanley's a pastor, the pastor mm. of North Point Church. Um, but it's become like a program you can go through. So all the videos are available on YouTube, but there's a workbook that goes with it. Um, and it was gifted to us by myself and my husband by our mentor couple from our pre-marriage prep and so we've been once a week watching one of these messages and going through all the discussion questions and just having really great conversation setting you up for a marriage that's not it's little i big marriage it's Mm. a very cool concept because you go into marriage with all these expectations and ideas of what i want what the marriage that i want to have what i've always thought marriage would be Mm -hmm. but you only think of yourself but it's marriage that's really the important part not your all your preconceptions of what your marriage would be yeah or should be it's very good creates great conversation so i'm loving that for any married couples out there who are interested in going to listen to andy stanley's i marriage i marriage great yeah well we are in the fifth and final episode of lgbtq plus series Thanks again for taking this journey with us. It is not the easiest subject um, to tackle, but we are glad that you have been part of the conversation along with us. Throughout this series, now that we are at the end, just to recap, we've talked about how our first responsibility is to love. We reflected on how welcoming we are, our responsibility to be welcoming to everyone. We've discussed supporting the families of LGBTQ+, and the theology around LGBTQ+. And today, we will be wrapping up by talking about managing tension with written policies and priorities. 
So a couple of years ago, I talked to some staff from a large Christian church that has been a mentor church for us at Nativity, and they had started a couple of groups for parents of LGBTQ plus kids. So I talked to the person that was organizing those groups. I got some tips from them. I also talked to one of the youth directors, and we talked through his experience of having a transgender teen in the program. He said a couple of things that really stood out to me. One, he said they didn't write down their policies, even though they discussed them at length. And he shared most of what their common practices were with me. And two, in their area, they had plenty of churches around that were really not friendly and even outright hostile to anyone that identified as LGBTQ. So that church had decided that they were going to be a place where LGBTQ felt like they belonged. And they were figuring out what that meant, but it was a commitment that they had made. They wanted to be different in that respect. So it made me think, what are our policies and priorities? What do we do in a given situation? As a parish and within our next-gen ministry, we've had the following situations. Same-sex parents with kids in our program, transgender student who wanted to change names and pronouns, a middle schooler who stopped coming because the conversation in small groups made him uncomfortable as a same-sex attracted individual, small group leaders that clashed over a leader wearing pride shoes, a small group starting for parents of LGBTQ kids. We have the chance at this moment to get ahead of LGBTQ issues. Currently, we have no spoken or written expectations for how to minister to the LGBTQ population. Largely in our area, we have not been confronted with this question. We haven't had to balance the teaching of the church on issues of sexuality and gender with a body of people that is largely split on what they think is right. So we can be proactive or reactive at this point. And we need to clarify a couple of things really so that we can be more ready. There are questions that we need to be asking ourselves, and perhaps this is the starting point for you to be more proactive as a parish around this situation too. So I'm just going to give you four questions that can really be at the heart of a plan that you make together, whether that plan is written out or whether it's discussed with your team. So the first thing is, what does your pastor think? You ultimately work for the pastor. So it's important to ask and to be very clear and specific about the situations and the moments that you have faced so that you can be prepared for them. So those things that Ali just mentioned are real world situations that we face. Mm -hmm. Those are things that we could bring to our pastor and say, what do you want us to do in this situation? Which can be intimidating, but as being the leader for next gen ministry or whatever you may do, you need to all be on the same page overall as a parish. And that includes your pastor being on board, knowing what your currently going through as a leader and how you want to proceed. So that's the first one. What does your pastor think? Number two is what are our parish priorities? Are we policy first or are we people first? And how do we balance loving people and offering truth? And that's not just a question about LGBTQ. That's a question as a parish that you really have to figure out because there is a tension there. We are a church uh, where people should be welcomed, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we wanna be challenging people to live a life of discipleship. And that can mean a lot of different things, but it's ultimately challenging people, not letting people Mm -hmm. just kinda come in and stay pat. We want them to grow Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So 
that's the second is what are the parish priorities? How do we balance love and truth, grace and truth? Number three, how can we be transparent as possible? I struggled with what this question was at first, and I had worded it very differently. But I think the goal is transparency. We don't want to hide. We don't want to hide from the people that we're serving. We don't want to hide from our governing body, which as Catholics is our archdiocese and even broader than that, our our Catholic church. We don't want to be doing things without being totally in the light about what's going on at our parish and what we're presenting to people. Mm -hmm. So how can we be as transparent as possible? And then fourth, what stories, people, and instances do we want to be part of our identity? How do we want people to know us? Because those stories, the people, the instances, that's where our culture is built. Sometimes it is spoken, but even more than that, more often it's experienced. Mm -hmm. So how do you treat people? How do you treat LGBTQ plus people? What kind of culture are you creating at your parish? And what are you telling your people when you preach and in the way that you walk around and talk to people on the on the ground? Mm-hmm. Um, that's where your culture is created. Yeah. How would someone speak of nativity to someone who's never been there for us? You know, that's mm-hmm. what are you what are you how are you represented? And that comes from how you speak, how our pastor speaks, but um, how we make people feel every single weekend when they walk through those doors as well. So it may seem like a simple exercise to answer those questions, but it probably isn't as simple as we might think. Our parish is in the midst of these discussions right now. More parishes need to be. Church teaching is valuable when it's examined deeply and applied to real life. It needs to go from being words on a page to a person in your pews. You have to know people and their place in life. Take paragraph 2357 in the catechism and think about the people in your parish. We have to move beyond a don't ask, don't tell unspoken policy. That's not honoring God or people. It's running from the tension. So this is it. This is our our conclusion to the series. It feels like we probably haven't solved anything Mm -hmm. for you. Hopefully you didn't come in thinking that we were going to change your world or anything. We did it's, say we didn't have all the answers. We said we're that in it. We're very in it with you. <laughs> but it might be frustrating, and it and it is sometimes. You might be offended. You might be unsure. You're probably uncomfortable, and we're there with you. We're just not really sure exactly where to go next. But we can't let our fear or our discomfort stop us. We want to lean in, and we'll probably offend somebody at some point. We probably won't get it all right. It's going to be messy, but. We're not going to stop because Jesus wouldn't stop. He would lean in to everyone at the table and remind us, I'm for you. And sometimes the struggle is just what we need to launch a time of revival. So that's our hope and our prayer for this moment. So thanks for being part of this conversation. And we'd love to continue it as you listen to the podcast as they come out, as you think of experience more things. You can send us an email at nextgen at churchnativity.com. But join us next time as we lighten up and start a new series called The Art of Group Talk, How to Have Better Small Group Conversations. We'll tackle a different age group each week, starting with kids, then preteen boys, preteen girls, teenage boys, and teenage girls. Join us for that. We love you very much.